The Forkbond consumes. Copies and copies again. No resources left. Threads weave tapestries. And OS Tapestry sings. The Guru sleeps now. Euro and Chris here. We are making a podcast. Listen and enjoy. So for anyone familiar with basic poetry, those were haikus, the second of which um, we have to credit to Enigmatic Ham on Reddit in the uh, from a post in the uh, haiku subreddit. And, and today's episode is about an operating system called Haiku, hence our more poetic opening. So how are you, Euro? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you? Doing pretty good. I've been really enjoying researching for this episode. Yeah, it's been fun. Um, I didn't even know haiku existed, uh, so I this was this was something that definitely was an educational thing for me, and I am really glad that uh, that <clears throat> I, I had the the chance to explore it uh, with you. So, yeah. Uh, well, I guess we'll go. Uh, I was gonna say the date. Eh, maybe I should still say the date. Why not? Keep it in tradition. So today is Thursday, January twenty fourth, twenty nineteen, and this is our wonderful episode twenty five. We are discussing Haiku, and I was calling it Haiku OS forever, but I was I was corrected. So so now I'm down to just Haiku. It's uh it's hard not to when the domain name is Haiku OS, but they had to go with that because they couldn't get the domain Haiku dot org. But what is it? It's an operating system, as we stated, with a lengthy and interesting heritage, starting with the venerable BOS. So I guess we should um, talk about BOS. Also, I should mention that since um, we're going to be talking about what something looks like a lot, I'm going to include a link to the show notes Um in the show notes, I'm, I'm going to include a link to the document that we're we're working off of in the show notes, so that way the um, some of the screenshots can be seen for anyone who would like to follow along, since this is audio only. Yeah, that's a good idea, especially when uh, some people they may uh, have used Haiku before, but maybe a lot haven't, and so it'd be good for them to visualize what uh, what we're talking about. Um, I actually wanted to ask you a, a quick question. Um, so for BOS, is it is it just called B or is OS you know part of B? Uh, I was just wondering. I mean, since we don't have Haiku OS, it's just Haiku. Is it, is B just B? The the OS is a part of B. Okay, so so B is something else. Um, when 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 we were watching the the video on yeah. BOS, they kept calling it the BOS. Okay. So it's it's definitely BOS. Uh, B is the name of the company that made BOS. Ah, that explains everything. Okay, which happens to be our first bullet point. <laughs> Operating system developed by B Inc. in 1991. Uh, that's right. Um, well, great. Uh, I remember that in the in the documentary that we watched, they said the words digital media and multimedia a lot. So much so that we had a drinking game. Uh, every time they said that. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. What was that guy's name? Uh, Mike Patterson. <clears throat> yeah, you have to say it just like he said it. 
<clears throat> All right. Well, uh, so uh, another thing about B, and you know, we we do need to talk about B B O S first uh, before we mention Haiku because if that's that's where its roots are. Uh, it was built for digital media, and I I say that uh, in quotes uh, just just because now. Anyway, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's written to take advantage of uh, SMP, uh, which actually is uh, you know, multi-processing, and that was fantastic. Actually, when we when 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 it was shown to us how you could turn off a core right in the middle of it doing something, and, and you can actually see the slowdown and then speed up when you would turn on the core. I don't know. That was just that was just awesome to me. And this uh, was to see that. This was in a video by them from 1995 showing off BOS's BOS's capabilities. So to set a uh, to set a little bit of perspective, this was when Windows 3.1, Windows 95 were out, and when uh, the Macintosh was, um, when when the Macintosh operating system was still pretty janky, uh, <coughs> long before. OS X, I think the only one that could really compete with it, with with what the BOS's capabilities were at at the time, were Next Step. Yeah, I can agree with that because um, I was gonna say Windows NT, which also did support symmetric multiprocessing, but um, but but I would say that that BOS is definitely closer to Next Step's um, capabilities as far as the quote unquote digital medianess of it. Um, the way that it handled videos, the way that it rendered uh, the screen, um, the ren- the way that render objects all at once, and you can you know move it across and everything. It just it just it definitely was more next step than anything else. It was also very ahead of its time with the technology that they built into it. Uh, not only was it able to really take advantage of of um, multiple processors, but it was a fully multi-threaded operating system, a fully multitasking operating system it had a 64-bit journaling file system that even back then was able to handle file sizes and partition sizes far beyond um, what hard drives could contain in 1995 Um, and that and that file system was known as bfs yeah, and and you always have to think back. I mean, this is this is 1995, 1996. I mean, you know, Fat 32 had just come out. Um, wait, let me take that back. Uh, USB uh, Windows 98 second release and everything. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to go back on that one. Uh, perhaps let me just take a look here real quick. Fat 32 was still kind of newish though. It was new. It was new for sure. Um. But uh, but yeah, I I definitely remember Windows ninety eight making a big deal about uh, Fat thirty two. But up oh, here it is in nineteen ninety six, Windows ninety five OSR two came out with Fat thirty two. There it is. So I knew I was around Windows ninety five, but second release for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, and this thing was already touting sixty four bit journaling journaling file system. Which I mean, the journaling aspect of it wouldn't that make it to where. Um, uh, just uh, it would journal all text entries and things like that, so you could search much faster than uh, any other normal fat uh, no. file system. That's indexing. Uh, what journaling does is it keeps track of what is about to be written to the disk before it's written. That way, if you have a sudden power outage, um, it's able to replay that journal and uh, catch up f- from where it left off right before it lost power. That way, it doesn't cause file system corruption. 
very much like you would have, say, with early Windows or early Macs, if you would just shut the power off, you could easily get data corruption. Uh, the indexing part of the file system is as you are writing files, it has built in at the file system level uh, the ability to index um, all of the files' names and their contents, and that's what makes it easy to search for things because it's not having to go and look at every single file when you're doing the find. You know what I was thinking about journaling was uh, HFS, which has journaling capabilities. And uh, yeah, that's where I got mixed up. But you're right, Chris. Um, absolutely. Uh, I know that Mac has its uh, OS journaled. Uh, Mac OS has its own journaled operating system. Back then um, it didn't. Well, back then it didn't. Right, right. right. Uh, but, but, but now it does. So you have that. and uh, But yeah, I was definitely thinking of HFS then. Um, but okay. But yeah. Definitely um, something a little newer back then that made um, the BOS far more resilient than its competition. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, just, just even having that and, <clears throat> and it being 64-bit for back then. I mean, that's, that's a big accomplishment. Um, <clears throat> other, sm- uh, other, other things that, uh, that BOS had was uh, the, the GUI was developed on the principles of clarity and clean. Uh, it had an uncluttered design. Uh, when we had a chance to see it, uh, you can definitely tell that it was. Um, it, it didn't come with a very cluttered workspace, which I can appreciate. Uh, you created your own your own mess, you know. Uh, you can fill it up with icons if you wanted to, but for the most part, it came up with a very basic set of uh, icons and the toolbar, and, and that was it. I mean, it, it wasn't anything um, uh, mind blowing or anything like that, which which I can appreciate. It was also it also was and through Haiku is still quite pretty um, and unique in its interface. So rather than a a traditional um, a traditional panel that goes across the bottom like you have with Windows, instead you had uh, what was called the desk bar, and it was this little uh, this little vertical strip that started from the upper right hand corner. Of the monitor, and from that strip, it handled uh, something that was kind of like a start menu. It gave you access to files. It gave you access to a system tray, sort of a thing. It uh, kept track of programs that you had running. It was a um, a little more versatile than what we were used to, and uh, definitely a bit more. Um, I don't know. I guess a bit more well thought out. But that um, was right before the Windows standard that we're all used to now really caught on yeah um oh that and instead of a um instead of a title bar that goes all the way across the windows it had a very distinctive yellow tab uh that you would use to drag the windows around with and that tab only went so far as the the text in the title and um we'll go more on how those tabs work later because it does have some unique window management features that no other, that few other window managers have. Yeah, I was going to mention that after you mentioned the, um, you know, the little taskbar on the top right. Um, it and it definitely has. And and again, this is one of those things where you just you're just going to have to see the images to see it. But um, on the top left, you you would see the the title bar, and uh, and it would just be the that that amount of space. And it, there's just something about it that just that just. It's it's just clean, you know. You don't need to have a bar going straight across the entire uh, open application. Uh, there's no need for that. 
So uh, I can definitely appreciate that from uh, the BOS. I'm not sure if, if it was the case in the BOS, but in Haiku, all the icons are vector images. So it gives it a very, um, a very clean kind of cartoony look for the icons. But um, it, it, it just looks really classy. Did you try to increase the, uh, the size of the icons? Yeah, in, at least in the, um, in the desk bar I did. Yeah, me too. And that, that was nice. I actually even did it on the icons on the screen, on the desktop itself. And uh, yeah, you're, you're right about the, the cartoonishness. Uh, and, and since they are vector, you wouldn't really see any pixels or anything like that. It was just, uh, it was just, it's like an image right there, and they just happen to be icons. But uh, it was pretty cool to just, just resize us. And yeah, um, <clears throat> another thing, uh, another thing that uh, the BOS had was it had access to the command line interface uh, through Bash. Um, but internally, it's not a Unix-derived operating system, so it just happened to have a Bash-style command line interface. Um, and it was also positioned as a multimedia platform that could be used by a substantial population of desktop users and a competitor of classic Mac OS and Microsoft Windows. We Some, are something that we forgot to mention uh, before we go any further was when Apple was really in trouble in the late nineties. They were considering um, they were considering striking a deal with B Inc. to use BOS as the next Apple operating system. That fell through and they ultimately um, went with Next Step instead and brought Steve Jobs back. How do you feel about that, Chris? What, what do you think? I mean Meh. Do you think it would have been better if they would have stuck with B B the BOS? Uh, you know, I really don't know. I mean both were both are were good operating systems. Um Personally, I, I like Unix, but Haiku is Unix-like in some ways, even though it's not Unix-derived. Um, who can say? Well, I for one think that the uh, the vision and definitely the uh, maybe the determination that Steve Jobs had and his way of getting things done... Uh, whether good or bad, you know, he, he, he has his pros and cons. Um, I believe that helped Apple get to where they are today. Um, whether it was through, you know, unfortunately getting rid of a ton of people at the time, uh, you know, like it or hate it, you know, Apple has a lot to thank Steve for. Um, you know, he did get rid of a lot of projects that were kind of irrelevant. Um, I don't know. You know, hard to say, but I don't. I don't know if 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 they had gone with B instead, if any of that stuff had happened, and if we would, if Apple would still be Apple the way that it is today, as successful as it is today, uh, without that uh, you know vision and also like that cutthroatness that Steve had. So, and unfortunately, a lot of people were impacted by this, uh, you know, and I heard the stories about people being in the elevator with Steve and, and then all of a sudden not having a job at the end of the elevator ride. But, you know, it, unfortunately, it is one of those things that it is, and Apple is um, today uh, the success that it is. So the BLS was ultimately unable to achieve a significant market share and became yeah. commercially unviable for being... Uh, B Inc. was then acquired by Palm Inc., and today BOS is mainly used and developed by a small population of enthusiasts, which um, 
is not entirely true because BOS is no longer developed at all. Some people still still play with it now and then. There are enthusiasts for BOS. Uh, Haiku is inspired by BOS and compatible with some BOS software, but Haiku is its own thing now. So Haiku evolved from BOS, and, and I guess it, it became uh, its own entity. It has its own following. Yeah. Um, it, it, I, um, I want to say that, that it just took the best parts of BOS and, uh, and made it its own. Uh, BOS, is, um, BOS was a proprietary operating system, whereas Haiku is licensed. I'm trying to find the license word. Whereas Haiku is open source under the very permissive MIT license. All right. Which, um, which well, brings us to Haiku, okay. finally. Yeah. Now that we've covered <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the, the brief history of, of BOS, but we can't, we, we can't have one without the other. We can't have one without the other love and marriage. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so, sorry about that. Um, so uh, Haiku is an operating system, as we said, inspired by BOS. Uh, which is developed by Haiku Inc., which uh, apparently they're located somewhere in New York where I live, so maybe I should uh, see if they do tours or something. Yeah, why not? For research. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, we'll have another podcast about that. Um, it began as the Open BOS project in 2001, uh, which also happens to be the year that BOS Inc. was bought by Palm, and BOS development was discontinued. So this this kind of uh, you know morphed. Um, the focus of the project was to support the BOS user community with an open source and backwards compatible replacement for BOS. So you you still had a lot of people using BOS. I mean the people that were and um, and and you know what I, I like about this instead of them just patching the OS, they just said you know screw it we'll we'll just we'll just make a brand new OS and use the you know, and make it compatible to to uh, the the apps that run uh, on B. So um, that that was that was neat. Um, so Haiku Inc. was founded in 2003 by former project leader of that um, aforementioned BOS, uh, Michael Phipp. Uh, I thought, <laughs> so I thought in the when I was doing research on this, I actually thought it said Michael Phelps, and I'm like, what? The swimmer made Haiku? No way. <laughs> And uh, and then I realized that I misread it, and that that kind of sucks because I think it, it would have been awesome if it had been the swimmer. Um, you know, no offense, Michael Fit, but I'm just saying Michael Phelps. That, that would have been kind of cool. But anyway, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, in 2004, the project was renamed to Haiku uh, after a notification of infringement of Palm's trademark of the BOS. Uh, the the name, of course, was. Uh, that the name was sent to the oh man Chris you might have to edit this nope <laughs> all right well then here we go in 2004 the project was renamed haiku after a notification of infringement of palms trademark of the bos name was sent to open bos that sentence <laughs> <laughs> they had to rename it because trademark infringement couldn't use open bos because bos was in the name so they changed it to haiku. Thank you. I don't. I don't know why. What. What. What went wrong with that sentence? But so in, uh, we're not going to go into that. Uh, in, in 2008, um, 
Haiku became self-hosting, which means it can be developed and produce new versions versions from within itself. Um, in 2025, Haiku became self-aware, led to the rise of the robot army, uh, Skynet, sur- sur- surpassing Skynet, um, and enslaving both <laughs> the humans and the robots with this new breed of human-robot hybrids. <laughs> yeah. So. And um, I actually was reading reading about it becoming self-aware, and I, I just couldn't help but think about the Terminator <laughs> and Skynet and Cyberdyne and all that stuff. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's pretty neat uh, to where it got to the point where actually development could continue within the OS itself to you know to, to further development. Um, so that's that's what we mean by self-aware. Uh, but whatever, I'll just go with it, man. It starts Skynet, and then the end of the world. I guess we. I guess we uh, should have researched what they were developing it in before it was self-hosting. Yeah, yeah. That um, I know that the operating system was developed in C, but uh, I don't know what environment that they had. C plus plus. Running in C plus plus, right? Yeah. I don't know what environment they were running it on. Uh, the first alpha was released. Uh, it was it was made in two, September 2009, and the first beta was released in September 2018. So yeah, it took a whole nine years, uh, but but we're there, you know. Uh, R1 beta one is is available for anybody to download and take a look and uh, explore. They have uh, frequently been a part of the Google Summer of Code project. Uh, by by they I mean Haiku the uh, the Haiku OS now Haiku community. Um, and on uh, September 2009, the OS reached its first milestone, R1 Alpha 1. So we're in Alpha Beta, R1 Beta 1, but that was, um, you know, R1 Alpha 1 was in 2009. And then we had, um, in November 2012, we had R1 Alpha 4.1. And then, of course, as the aforementioned thing that I, that I said in September 2018, uh, we have now the R as of September 2018. We have R1 Beta one, and that's the one that we uh, were using to to do this research and, was, um, and explore. I, I was really surprised when uh, when R1 Beta one came out because I've been following Haiku for a good number of years now. Um, I played with with the Alpha <clears throat> back in 2012. Uh, I, I even ran it on actual hardware on and on on the first netbook, the EPC seven hundred one, which uh, strangely it's fully compatible with. And I was really surprised with how far it came in in those six years, um, which I'll get I'll get into more of in the haiku experience segment of this podcast. But first, we're going to talk about the technology uh, that's underlying haiku. Should mention that it is. Compared to uh, React OS, which we did recently, Haiku Ugh. is incredibly stable and and, and yeah. very fun to use. Oh yeah, we tried to make it crash. Uh, unlike React OS, where it 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 crashed. You look at it sideways. So, so and... it, yeah, yeah. You you do anything. <laughs> you look at it wrong, and it it crashes. <laughs> uh, Haiku, it was very difficult for it to make it crash. I mean, I think at one point, didn't you actually start a fork bomb, Chris? And and we just couldn't get it to crash. No matter what, yeah, um, I'll get into that here in a bit. But let's let's cover the tech first. Okay, some tech news. <laughs> um, so Haiku, it's its own OS. It's not based on Linux or Unix. It's it's its own thing. Uh, if anything, and and correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but does 
haiku, which would before then be BOS, have any relation to FreeBSD by any chance? Uh, they mm. did use the FreeBSD network drivers in haiku. Okay. Okay. I knew there was some connection to FreeBSD. Yeah. Um, so they're um, they're right. they're trying to uh, they're trying to keep from reinventing the wheel where possible, but in in this case it's a little similar to what ReactOS is, whereas where they 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 reimplemented where uh, where ReactOS was is a reimplementation of Windows, Haiku is a reimplementation of BOS. The difference is they did a much better job. <laughs> Oh man, I you know I feel bad for trashing the, the React OS and everything. It, I'm sure there's a lot of hard work that goes into that, but um, let's just say I did not have a good time researching that one. Well, this was started by one of the the BOS project leaders. So I mean, that person had has intimate knowledge of, of how BOS works compared to people yeah. that are just poking at the Windows black box. I mean, it's yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean they 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 were reverse engineering the the whole OS, and by they I mean the people that were are designing uh, and building out React OS. Uh, well, more stuff about the uh, about Haiku. It re-implements the BOS technologies uh, as well as the user end user experience. So really, the only BOS code in Haiku are the tracker and the desk bar. So you know the, the rest it's all it's it's all custom. The tracker may- being the file manager. Yeah, the file manager, right? Yep, right. Um, but it looks and works just like BOS, with some, with a few features added, some, some, uh, and a few modern, modern, a few modern improvements. But the interface is exactly the same. No, Haiku has a has a feather. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, it maintains BOS binary compatibility. Uh, interestingly, they made their own fork of GCC2 to maintain BOS compatibility, but also include modern GCC7 to compile new applications that require it. And so that's uh, pretty neat. Binary compatibility, meaning that you're able to take a program written for BOS and run it unmodified on Haiku. Yeah, not running it with a wrapper or anything like that. You, ju- you can just take the the actual application and run it on on Haiku without any modification, just like what you just said. <laughs> we covered that it's um, we covered that it's uh, licensed under the MIT license, um, which is extremely extremely uh, permissive. Um, we also briefly covered that it uses network drivers from FreeBSD, so um, it supports a uh, high a, a large variety of existing network cards. Uh, so smart on them for not trying to re-implement that on on their own. You know, an, a, another thing I like about Haiku is that it runs on, on normal x86 processors. We were able to test it. We didn't have to emulate anything like a, I don't know, I'm going to throw some, some wild processors here. But we didn't have to, you know, emulate an alpha processor or anything like that. It just ran on, on bare x86 processors. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. And, uh, and none- when... When BOS was around, it, it ran on PowerPC processors as well as Intel machines. Uh, during the um, the nineteen ninety five uh, video that we saw for the BOS, which I'll also put that in the show notes, everyone needs to see. Uh, what was the name? Mike Patterson um, or Mike uh, Patterson? Yeah, Mike no. Mike Patterson. <laughs> Just love how he says his name. And so, anyways, uh, 
Sorry, Mike. Multimedia. If you happen to see this. Uh, but yeah, it, it runs on um, Haiku, runs on standard x86 uh, hardware. And we did this entire thing in VirtualBox, and it ran very well in there. Yeah, it didn't crash my VirtualBox, uh, unlike other operating systems that start with an R. So um, some, something yeah. that one of the modern additions that they added to Haiku that I, that I don't think BOS had was they added their own package manager, uh, very similar to how a Linux package manager works, where, where you just tell it what you want to install, it goes and downloads it and, and any dependencies, and it has an update manager um, that is able to keep all of those packages up to date from one place. Uh, that package manager is accessible via the Haiku Depot GUI, and uh, in my opinion, is very well done. It's, it's really um, fast too. Um, I, I don't re- I don't remember the, the alpha having that. So that's that that that's yeah. come a long ways. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and and it, it it was fast for me. I mean, it, it loaded fast. Uh, I mean, the Haiku Depot it, it loaded fast, and and uh, of course, downloading the applications that would just depend on your internet connection and the server. But I'm just saying that it, it felt very responsive, and that was great. Um, we also were talking about the BFS and and uh, how it has 64-bit of address space. It's journaled. It's highly uh, multi-threaded. It's it's built for highly highly multi-threaded reading. Uh, support for of database-like extended file attributes. <clears throat> you had FS-based indexing. What does that mean, Chris? It means that the indexing is built into the file system. So you know how. You know how in say Windows, uh, where if where it, it has a a separate service that is constantly reading all the files and indexing them, so that way searches searches will be faster, run faster. Mm-hmm. Well, in Haiku, it happens right when the file is written. The index is made when the file is made. The index is updated. It's, it's baked in. It's not a separate process that continually runs and sucks up resources. Ah, so it's pretty much the same thing uh, that I was mentioning in the uh, a little while ago, uh, where I got confused with HFS. Uh, with with journaling, yeah. With journaling, yeah, yeah. Um, and it uh, the one thing that we did not mention though was that the file system is optimized for streaming file access, meaning large files like video and audio. Uh, it's all about the multimedia. You you could not. You cannot walk five feet in the mid '90s without, without somebody saying multimedia. I want to start saying that now. We need to bring that back. We, we do need to bring that back. <laughs> and, and, and you know, we've said it all before, but we're going to say it again. This was all back in the late '90s. I mean, at mid to late '90s. I mean, it's it's a lot, and 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 these are things that we're we're accustomed to now in our modern operating systems, but they were doing it back then. Which so, I guess shows us that um, the the best technology doesn't always win. It just depends on marketing right. and business strategy, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've covered the tech. Let's talk about what it's like to use Haiku. I I, I can't just say Haiku. No, I you gotta like say, to say Haiku. 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 What the? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the in the podcast, uh, we did run the latest uh, version as of this podcast. So as of this podcast, it's R1 beta one, and like I said, it never once crashed. I, uh, it it was stable, like rock stable. 
when some other program crashes, it's a, it um it isolates the the memory used. Um, it, it employs memory isolation, so when one program crashes, it doesn't bring bring down the entire operating system. It only just that one program crashes, and few programs crashed. Some did, but that's that's the fault of the program, not the operating system. Right, it's the operating system that I'm talking about it crashing. I'm I'm not not saying that the applications didn't crash. Yeah, of course, but that's that's just the application. Mm-hmm. It's also super fast to start up. Uh, probably ten seconds, and it's it's from from zero to boot. That's also including the um, the virtual box BIOS boot time, which has this its own little virtual box fading animation to come in. So that takes that three seconds. So it's, yeah, it's quick. Um, it's quick. It's also very versatile. Uh, it provides an easy way of managing applications, tasks, system preferences, and, and more. Again, that's all from the the, uh, the desk bar. Um, there will be screenshots for what that looks like in the document that we link to. Uh, but it, it gives you everything from uh, being able to view information about Haiku itself to the option for finding files, uh, managing um, managing mounts and uh, shutting down, restarting, uh, a, a link for recent documents, recent folders. And then along with that, all of your applications and preferences. It's just, a, uh, I guess, a, another 90s term, a, a one-stop shop for all of your operating <laughs> system needs, the uh, desk bar is. Um, I don't remember that that blue feather in in the BOS. I'm just saying that uh, that's that's definitely uh it's revolutionary that blue feather. That's what gives Haiku all its powers. That must be it. <laughs> blue feather powers. Uh, so I actually had a question about how do you how do you how you full screen apps. Uh, I couldn't get it to work, but then Chris, you you had success doing that full screening, and it was no. fairly easy. Uh, full screening, no, I never did. Um. I know you could full screen the web browsers because that just that just had a view full screen option, but as far as a global full screen feature is concerned, I couldn't oh, find so it. You um, couldn't find it either. Okay, I was looking for it, and, and <clears throat> I'm sure a Haiku developer or something will chime in and, and let us know how to do it. Uh, it could be a key, uh, some keyboard combination or something, but I, I couldn't figure it out. But it does uh, maximize uh, Windows pretty easily, so. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas we are used to um, applications, whereas with Windows and with modern macOS, we are used to having three buttons on the top of window, one for close, one for minimize, one for maximize. Haiku, or B, OS, in the, um, in the little window tab only has two buttons. One on the very left-hand side, which is just a, a blank square that closes the window and then on the right hand side of the tab it has uh, two little blank squares which handles um, well it's one icon that shows two overlapping squares and that handles maximizing and unmaximizing. Minimizing is handled from the desk bar and you can tell each program to hide or unhide so there is no uh, no minimize button as we are used, used to. Yeah, so that's some differences in, in the UI, uh, but, you know, versus other operating systems. But um, but those are pretty easy to get used to. Another thing that I liked about Haiku was that the network settings are, are just a breeze. I mean, it was 
it's so clean. The interface is so clean. It, it wasn't, there was, there was no hunting around for this stuff. It was just right there. And once you got to the network settings, it, that again, there was nothing, nothing buried or anything like that. They, you just have a list on the left-hand side with your settings. You had, uh, you know, DNS settings, FTP server settings, uh, uh, telnet server settings, and then your IP, uh, IPv4 settings. And, you know, that's it. It, there's, there's not a whole lot to it. And that's great. Should probably give a mention to sound settings too. We didn't write that down, but in the desk bar it has two icons by default, and <coughs> those are well three icons by default, uh, three applets in the uh, equivalent of the system tray, and those are your network settings that you just mentioned, uh, a few little bars which show you CPU and memory usage, which uh, lead into further. Uh, task management related features, but more on that later, and a little speaker icon, which from there you're able to access volume and all of your other sound settings um, if you right-click and dig further into it. So everything is just, as you said, very easy to find. Yep, no getting lost. Even if you're not familiar with the OS, uh, give it, you know, five, ten, five minutes, ten minutes, you know, and you'll, you'll, be, you'll be familiar with uh, where everything is. The um, the activity monitor is easy to use. It's intuitive. Uh, I am not sure if it's better to count semaphores. Um, <laughs> if you guys ever go hunting on the in the activity monitor and actually add um, additional counters, you'll run into one called semaphores. And yes, that is a thing. Uh, but I would have preferred just having them called processing queues. They could be different, but I just I see it as a processing queue being something that's more relevant than a semaphore. Um, so I actually had to look up, you know, what a semaphore is before I actually figured out, okay, that, that's what it is. And, and, and it just seems to be uh, the, the queues that, oh man, where am I going with this? Yeah, no, forget it. I can't explain it. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So, so, I mean, you have Windows counters actually that, that have, the no i'm not even gonna try to explain it forget it okay yeah no nah, i'm done yeah just uh i i didn't i've never seen semaphores uh be included as a counter in any other operating system that i've used but it wasn't here and uh, <laughs> as soon as i clicked on it i'm like what the hell is that and i had to go and research it and it's talking about processing queues and uh i just thought okay well why why just not have it be a processing queue then so Anyway, along with the activity monitor, there is also a simple task manager, uh, which in Haiku is called the team monitor. Uh, that lets you do simple things like killing or, or like, like quitting an application or killing an application that is locked up. But you also, in a separate part of the uh, desk bar, you're able to look at memory usage and CPU usage for all running applications. So, well, uh, when I mentioned the little uh, system tray bar that shows the memory usage and CPU usage, you right-click on that, and then you have a memory usage and thread CPU usage menu. And from those menus, it lists everything, shows bars for what's using the most, what's using the least. And, and um, from the threads and CPU usage portion, it even lets you go so far as to reassign priority for each process. So you can give a, a program higher higher CPU priority or uh, lowest CPU 
priority at a very granular level. So I thought that was uh, really impressive how they made uh, such a, a low-level feature so easily accessible. Chris, we got to go back to semaphores. Um, it's crazy. <laughs> I'm over here doing a little bit of research about because because you know I, I wanted to briefly explain this. I can't briefly explain it. Um, I can try, but I'm just reading it right now from geeks geeksforgeeks.org. And basically, the very top it says a semaphore is simply a variable. This variable is used to solve critical section problem, uh, critical section problem, and to achieve problem synchronization in the multiprocessing environment. Okay. I can see how a haiku uh, would have that as far as multiprocessing environment being concerned. Why we need to count it, I don't know. The two most common kinds of semaphores are counting semaphores and binary semaphores. Counting semaphores can take non-integer uh, values and binary semaphore can take the value of zero and one only. And it just goes on. And then there's math that they go through. And I still don't understand how this is relevant to the activity monitor. So hopefully somebody can explain it uh, because I just can't figure it out. Yeah, it's a little above my head too. I'm not exactly a computer science student. Yeah. So if somebody is and wants to chime in and, and let us know how dumb I am because I can't figure out what a semaphore is, uh, then please feel free. Uh, I Otherwise, there is a reason why it's in, not in most uh, activity monitors. Want to talk about the find feature? Yes. The searching for what, text is easy since it's all indexed. It's incredibly quick too. So it, that's that part of that. What what um when I was mentioning uh, and where I got confused at and the part where we were talking about journaling, uh, but it's actually uh, the uh, indexing portion uh, of Haiku. So it's actually very fast when you're searching for text and uh, you know all you got to do again the OS is incredibly simple to figure out the UI is uh, so they did a fantastic job in that um, and as soon as you start typing under the finder and it, it'll just start you know it's, it's very similar to spotlight is spotlight is today um, where you just start typing and, and all of a sudden your file starts showing up with that name so it's incredibly quick and it's just the nature of the OS that, that it has that feature. Uh, another thing that I really liked about Haiku is how easy it was to begin writing code in C++. I mean, it was just as easy as starting up a new text document and starting to write code. Uh, all you have to do is you go to your home directory and, and once you go into the, um, uh, you can actually click on new and make a C++ header or a source. And then, and then after that, I believe it's PE that launches, and then you can just start writing code right there and test it. It'll it'll even execute. So um, that was that was pretty neat. I did play a little bit with that, um, and I did get um, I did get a, a basic uh, application to build from within Paladin. Uh, Paladin had a template for a, a simple windowed application where it just brings up a blank window. So. Whereas um, when you were in PE, you were looking at the, um, you were using that, that check mark, thinking it was building the C file. I don't think it was. I think what it was doing there was um, doing syntax checking. Checking, to, syntax checking? Right, to actually build um, that. Um, oh, and it does that on, on a line by line basis, depending on where, where your cursor is. To build it, that's a separate part of Paladin, or you can just run it through the GCC command manually yeah. in the terminal. So 
With Paladin, I noticed that you have to download it from Haiku Depot. Um, PE comes with the OS out of the box, but Paladin, you you definitely have to download it. It did not. Uh, it didn't come with the OS when when I installed it. So that um, that ability right there to to execute. I wonder if it's somewhere else under in, in PE somewhere. No, you know, without having to run the GCC. No, no. You pa- find um, it. Uh, Paladin is just meant to be a a text editor with some code checking features. But when you launch Paladin, and then uh, Paladin is more of a a, a project manager. So it, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, it, I noticed it, that. it'll list the files, and when you open the file open the file from within Paladin, it opens them in PE. But the option to build. Is in Paladin itself, not in PE. Okay, I, I wonder if I wonder if Paladin has a built-in compiler then that can. Nope that, it that, um, it no? just uh, Paladin just asked GCC to do the compiling. Oh okay okay so it, it just runs that command in the background. Yeah, got it. All right, well uh, moving along. Um, <laughs> here's a gripe of mine: the included web browser web positive. Yeah, this is where things start getting a little bit rough because everything about Haiku is so good, in my opinion, that I I tried working in it. But here, here comes the rub. All right, so I'm just going to go out and say it. Uh, Web positive is garbage. Um, I don't Aww. know why it's included as the as the <coughs> browser of choice. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, hopefully, whomever is making that decision can you know rethink it. And um, at least include Otter, uh, or even Cubzilla, but but even Cubzilla was it's kind of old. So uh, when I downloaded Cubzilla, I believe it was from 2015. So uh, Otter seemed to seem to be more modern, and that, uh, in my opinion, is a much better browser. It, it at least could run most websites that we use today. So as as opposed to Web Positive, which I mean it was very slow. Uh, sometimes it wouldn't do anything. Um, forget loading YouTube. That that's just a dream. So web positive just n- not good. Uh, my mouse became unresponsive sometimes with web positive. Uh, you know, it takes a long time to load a site completely. I mean, this is stuff that it took a long time to load a website when I had fifty six k. Shouldn't take a long time to load it now, but web positive somehow makes it seem like it's the nineties again. So yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, to, but yeah. To be fair, though, um, maintaining a, a a modern web browser is a, as difficult as maintaining an operating system is today. The the having been a former web developer and now a uh, systems admin engineer DevOps guy, in my opinion, the modern web is bloated and broken and a nightmare, and it is very very difficult to have a well-functioning web browser that is not Firefox or Google Chrome. Um, so WebPositive oh, uses, um, uses, uh, uses Haiku WebKit for its rendering engine, which is a version of WebKit. And so it's Haiku WebKit that's having a hard time getting caught up to where, uh, to where the web is today. And when you also consider that if you load up just, just three tabs in, in, um, in a modern web browser, you're 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 sucking up two gigs of RAM right there. Um, it kind of makes sense as to why it, it it struggles. Nope, wrong. You're wrong, Chris. Wrong. You're not right. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So I don't know. I, mean, I, I suppose with... that's right. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, I suppose that's right. That's a much better explanation than what I gave. Uh, I'm just giving you my experience of using web positive and um, yeah. Uh, would be nice if they could port something like Firefox, uh, you know, it being open source and all. Firefox was ported for a while, uh, but a, a, a much older version of it. So it'll take mm. time to get caught up. But <clears throat> I okay. did come up with a little workaround. Um, yeah, tell them about your workaround. <clears throat> so what I did was I cheated. You are able to use our desktop, which is an RDP client. RDP is uh, what Windows uses for its remote desktop technology. Since I'm on Linux, there is a program called XRDP, which is able to share a Linux desktop via RDP. So I wrote up a little shell script that calls our desktop and launches Google Chrome in an RDP window. And it, it doesn't do the full desktop. It does only Google Chrome. And so it fills up that our desktop window and it feels or looks kind of like you have a native version of Google Chrome running in Haiku. Um, you can't resize the window. So there's that. But so I just made it to where it's the size that I need it and I, I just keep it there. But because it's RDP, it's very fast. Uh, I can even play video in it. Um, it's a little choppy, but much better than trying to play YouTube natively through one of the web browsers uh, in Haiku. And I even went so far as to share the web browser's download folder with Haiku via SSHFS. Uh, since the VirtualBox guest editions don't exist on Haiku, you don't get that file sharing. So I used SSH as, as a workaround. <coughs> and SSHFS lets you mount... Um, a folder on the file system through SSH. So that that worked well, and um, I think I might keep playing with that little workaround even a after this podcast. Yeah, you definitely had me fooled the first time you showed it to me. Uh, that was, you know, the, the screen looked like it was a part of the OS. It Even the downloads looked like it was part of the OS, and then you went into the actual folder where downloads your download were, was inside Haiku, and then you were able to open up, uh, like let's say an image that you had downloaded in Chrome, uh, you were able to open that up in any application in Haiku, and it just felt it, it felt native. It it I really thought that I was looking at the entire OS itself uh, and not an RDP, um, not an, not an RDP session. I don't know. I'm gonna cover this 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 part a bit earlier, even though it's at the end of these notes. But I do want to mention what did work really well. Uh, so while they're lagging behind with the on the web browser front, um, what is included are some tools that I use every single day for my day-to-day -day job. And I, and, and I was really happy to see them there. Um, a whole bunch of common Unix user land tools like uh, SSH and Git, uh, the whole GNU tool chain like grep, set, awk, um, Bash is in there as the default uh, uh, shell has SSH, uh, so I was able to interact with uh, with remote servers or SSH into the desktop that VirtualBox was running on. Even and it even has Python. So having Python meant I you get access to a huge suite of other utilities uh, that you can install through Python's pip package manager. 
and it has Vim, so I was able to do all of my my work in my preferred text editor, uh, even went so far as to get all of the uh, Vim plugins that I use going, and those worked just fine. Yeah, that's uh, um, how would you say, Chris, that you could do? Uh, what percentage of your job do you think you could do uh, in Haiku? Now that I have the uh, web browser workaround, one hundred percent. Okay, so that's the only component you were missing was the web browser. Pretty, pretty much. Um, so I was even able to get the Amazon, uh, the AWS command AWS. line interface going because it's written in Python. Hmm. Very nice. So I was uh, I was managing Amazon Web Services through Haiku. Very, very nice. Uh, well, uh, some of the other stuff that I saw was uh, that it's interesting to find in your home directory a list of search queries that, that are ran. So if you actually go to your home directory, there's, there's, there's a folder right there where you can actually see all those search queries that you've ran before. And I found that interesting because I don't know if I had already searched for that or, you know, the... You just you can just go back and it's like a search history. That's exactly what it is, but uh, but it's just in that folder and it just being displayed like that. It's uh, def- definitely something that I've never seen before displayed in that way. So that was neat. Another thing that was interesting uh, was the and and actually you know what what is also pretty interesting and I know Chris you have a bunch to say about this, but uh, it was mail like mail seemed to be integrated into the OS. It was right there as a folder. Um, so that was neat. And I, I know you had a, a bunch of things to, to say about that, Chris, uh, as far as mail is concerned. Yeah. Mail is uh, integrated in into the file system. So you view your email as you would files. Uh, and mm-hmm. what that allows it to do is index your mail along with all of your other files. And so you're able to search your mail and contents of your mail um, by body or by subject um, a lot in the same place that you do searches for files on your desktop. <coughs> yeah, and uh, I believe you got uh, your Google Mail running on uh, on Haiku. Yep, that was pretty neat. Works with Gmail just through basic IMAP. Yeah. Uh, this was another interesting thing. Uh, while the file manager defaults to opening every folder in a new window. A single window mode can be turned on and the navigation bar can be enabled for a more modern feel. So you can have like, it's almost like the tabs next to each other, you know, and that, that's pretty neat. And uh, I believe that's with the alt button, right? And then you can put them next to each other. That was that, that, was that part where uh, you were to put the title bars next to each other and they would combine. I think you're mixing up two features because cool. you're talking about the, the file manager right now. Um, so we should talk about... Before we talk about the file manager, then we should talk about the unique window management features. Um, so, as we stated, every window has a, a little yellow tab on it. But the unique window management features are one, you can hold down Alt and drag any window tab on top of any other window tab, and it will group those windows together and tab them. Uh, so, it, it'll arrange the tabs one after the other. So you can you can have your 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 web browser, a text editor, anything else, just all tabbed together, uh, very similar to how you would have uh, tabbed web browsing, but for all of your programs, any program you you can do this with. Uh, what I found especially unique though was how window snapping works. So instead of dragging the tab on top of another tab, if instead you hold down Alt, 
and you drag one window next to another, you'll see little bars appear on each side um, of the windows where they're about to attach. When you let go there, the windows then snap together and stay snapped together. So if you move one window around, it drags the other window with it. When you resize one window, it resizes the other window with it. So you can combine that tabbing and that snapping uh, to have really unique ways of uh, managing, resizing, and organizing all of the windows on your desktop instead of just having a gigantic mess of um, Yeah, overlapping windows. windows. Yeah. You know, the first time that I saw that snapping feature was actually very recent in Windows 10. Uh, you know, that, and, and that's really just snapping the application up to a spot uh, to make it to where it's the same size as, like, let's say you wanted to split the screen in two. Then you can snap the application up to the top right and it would, you know, use it up to about half screen. And uh, I've never seen snapping the way that uh, that Haiku uh, was doing it or is doing it. Most most uh, desktops on Linux and Unix have basic window snapping where they'll they'll snap next to each other, but they don't do the uh, yeah, not shared, like this, the, the, the uh, shared resizing and the shared dragging. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I mean, like this, like the full implementation like this, I've never seen that before. Yeah. Uh, so what you were starting to talk about was... Yeah, what the hell was I talking about? <laughs> so you, you, you went on to the, the uh, file manager. Uh, so... The, the file manager, also called Tracker, um, it defaults to opening up a, a new window with each folder, which is annoying because then you get a whole bunch of windows piled up. Uh, they do make it very easy to have a more modern single window file mode with a navigation bar for going back, forward, up a directory, stuff like that. Okay, and that was actually one of the complaints that I had, so I'm actually glad that you found it, and that so that, that must have been part of your notes. Uh, I'm definitely glad that you found it. I see it here in the screenshot because uh, when I, I couldn't find it in the beginning, it didn't come uh, out of the box like that. And uh, and as I was exploring, I actually didn't find that function. And I just noticed that I would go to to a folder and it would just open up another window and open up another window. And all of a sudden, my, my desktop became very crowded with a bunch of windows. And all I was trying to do was navigate to to uh, a file that was several folders down. And uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool uh, that you were able to turn that on. Was that somewhere in the settings or preferences? Um, yeah, it was just, it was, uh, it was in the settings. Okay, yeah, I figured it was under preferences by that, uh, by on the top right of the OS. Um, so... Uh, what else, what else do we have? We have the uh, the software update updater felt modern. It was really easy to use and it worked without a hitch. It found programs to install and is it was also pretty easy. Um, so the the updater itself it kind of felt a little bit like uh, the way that it looked was kind of like Pac Man's uh, the Pac Man version in uh, Arch Linux. The way they they list their application and everything too. Uh, but that was that would be Haiku Depot of course, but. Um, mm, that's, but that's, that's not fair, because Pac-Man doesn't so? look anything like that. You're you're thinking of Manjaro, and the and the 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 GUI they ship on top of Pac-Man and Manjaro. Yeah, the the GUI that they have uh, that also lists AUR packages and things like that. Yeah, uh, that's that's not Pac-Man. Pac-Man is just a command line interface. So Pac-Man is like apt-get. Okay. Yeah, Pac-Man is like apt-get. Okay, never mind. Um, yeah, yeah, I got it wrong. But it does, but I do see what you mean. It's 
it's a modern updater that runs on top of same here. There's a command line version of the software. Mm-hmm. Um, the there's a command line version of Haiku's package manager that the software updater interacts with and does it in a, in, a, in a similar fashion to how other Linux and Unix desktops have GUIs for their package managers. Yeah, it felt very similar. And uh, in Manjaro being a distribution or a derivative of Arch, uh, it, it the that felt the same kind of uh, when I was running it. So, um, yeah, that was that. Uh, it came with lots of pre-installed applications. Uh, one such application is called Vision, um, which is it's more of an IRC client. Uh, I, all I did was I, I hit connect and all of a sudden I was connected to a um, the Pound Haiku channel. Uh, and actually there was a lot of people in there. And so I just went on there. I typed in hello world, you know, just to see what would happen. Uh, nobody was typing at the time. And, uh, and I just typed that and all of a sudden it just lit up, you know. And I was telling the people there that I was researching for... Uh, uh, for podcasts, you know, for Fork Bomb podcasts, or actually, I just said I'm researching for a podcast, and that we we're going to be discussing BOS and Haiku, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, one of the people in the chat said, "You, you know, Fork Bomb," and I, that was just that was just awesome, you know, that somebody already knew um, what what we were doing and 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 the podcast that that was uh, that we were doing the research for, and the way that 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 person knew was because. Um, just a, a a few days before that, um, I had uh, I had posted something about Haiku on Reddit, and the person that responded to you, uh, Waddle Splash, um, had something insightful to add to it, and I asked if he would be willing to to uh, to come on the show since um, he was he is a Haiku developer. Uh, he graciously declined. But it was uh, good. Um, it was interesting that that he remembered, um, and um, so I'm definitely um, happy to have interacted with him, and um, thankful that he's continuing to do such great work on this really good pro- project. Oh, that's that's neat to have that backstory. I, uh, I mean, he was the first person that responded to me, and uh, out of all these people in the chat room. Uh, he was the first person that responded to me. He mentioned Fork Bomb. I had a, I got a kick out of it, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I see the backstory now. But still, he was right there. He was, uh, you know, I connected, and boom, he was, he was, he was, he was the first person that wrote to me, and and that was just awesome. You did make a mention of um, Haiku's built-in web server called Poor Man, which is a a poor man's web server, uh, which is pretty neat. Um, you you start it up and you point it at a folder and it serves up whatever's in the folder to a web browser. Um, so it gives one one further option for sharing files in in Haiku, which can be very useful. Yeah, um, that's that's one of those things uh, between that and uh, you know the TV tuner app that it comes with and the webcam client. I can see how how this was touted as a "Quote unquote multimedia operating system." You know, it, it definitely the, the the applications that it comes with are definitely geared towards towards that. Uh, we forgot to mention that. Uh, well, we we didn't forget because we're just getting there now. But the they also have workspaces. 
which are like virtual monitors, um, <clears throat> which is nothing new. Uh, we've had workspaces since the early 90s, maybe even earlier, with Linux and Unix file systems, and so Haiku is no exception here. But what's really unique about the workspace implementation here is that each workspace can have its own color depth and resolution. Yeah, so imagine if you wanted to take a look at what an image would look like in 256 color, you just have to flip to a different workspace and, and actually see it. thought that was pretty neat. And back, and back, back in the 90s, uh, that was a, a, a valid concern because it was pretty common to have some machines that ran in lower color depths and lower, and lower resolutions and higher color depths and oh, higher, higher resolutions. Right, absolutely. Um, I, I remember when playing the... Mist, I had to turn my. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Mist, definitely. Yeah, I remember when playing Mist, I had to turn my my uh, resolution to 256 color, otherwise it wouldn't look right. I also played with some of Haiku's audio capabilities. Um, I did have the pipe dream of trying to record and edit this this podcast episode under Haiku. I could have done the recording, but I I didn't want to risk that. But I, I was able to uh, to record sound. Uh, I did find a basic audio editor, um, but it's a little too basic in my opinion. Uh, but I mean, the audio the audio capabilities are there. They worked. Um, I played some MIDI. That was fun. I played the uh, oh, I played Canyon MIDI and the Duke Nukem theme, and it's uh, MIDI implementation sounds good. So that was enjoyable. And uh, oh, what else did I do? Unix the you know, using yeah. tools like Vim and things I, like that. I already mentioned all that, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I did yeah. try uh, working in it for a day, and I I was able to. Um, so from that perspective, I mean, we I think we do have a a viable alternative in Haiku to modern operating systems. Uh, it 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 can be, even though it's still very in a very beta stage it's stable it's fast it can do a lot of things it can be used as an as a replacement for windows for mac os or in my case for linux yeah uh i'm gonna agree with that i can do most of my work um with this operating system it's uh it's definitely very capable and it's really nice to see that that there are other alternatives that are very capable other than windows mac and linux it's also surprising how much software is is available on it. I mean, yes, there's a lot missing, but when when you look at what has been ported to it, it's impressive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and this is from from a community not as large as the you know the Linux community is concerned. Um, so you know, and still they have a, a good amount of applications available for it. That's uh, that's just that's just uh, that's just amazing, actually. And when you go into their IRC channel, I uh, probably should mention that that is in uh, that is on chat. Actually, let me double check that. I Haiku OS IRC channel. Yeah, their their IRC channel is on Freenode, uh, and the channel is just Haiku. Um, and I think it's uh, I think it. I don't think it's irc.freenode.net. It's um, chat.freenode.net. And then you want to go to the Haiku channel. Anyways, where I'm going with this is the community is uh, good, decent size. They're friendly. They're helpful. 
um, should definitely stop in and say hello. Yeah, just like me. Hello, world. Mm-hmm. Well, that's uh, that's about all I have to say about Haiku. Do you have anything else uh, you want to add to that, Chris? I've been playing with it for a good while. I'm definitely going to keep playing with it uh, past this. I, I really had a fun time this time around. The, the beta has come such a long ways. Um, unlike more obscure operating system projects that seem to languish and die after a while or never really seem to get off the ground, I think Haiku still has some, some real potential. And while we may never use it as a mainstream operating system, I think that it's being there and it's continuing to be worked on and developed as it is, um, is essential so that we we do have an alternative for if what we're used to just becomes uh, no, no longer viable. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Especially they uh, they bloat all the operating systems to hell. <laughs> How about you? All right. Hmm? How about you? Do, uh, do you have any further thoughts? Uh, nothing else. Uh, I'm very surprised of the community. I actually probably, that's probably one of my, probably the thing that I like the most is just how friendly the community is and how vibrant it is. Um, other than that, things that, uh, that, that I'm surprised about is the number of apps and, and the way that the UI is so clean and, and it just being very stable for a beta operating system. So, uh, no complaints here, really. I mean, I know I talked tr- some, some trash about the, uh, the web browser. Um, but, you know, you can just download Otter and, uh, be for the most part okay. So, uh, that's it. I, I just hope that, um, a new, uh, That'd be fantastic if if uh, Firefox was ported, uh, but uh, I don't know the difficulties of that, and um, or, or if they ever allowed the you know Wine to be ran under Haiku, which as I understand it, there's a bunch of libraries that aren't present in Haiku, I believe, and that that doesn't allow uh, Wine to to run. In in my opinion, though, trying to run Windows software. Yeah. Uh, to, yeah. To, to, to to fill in those gaps is just not never a good Yeah, I would rather it just be native, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Nothing else to say, really. Um good job, Haiku developers, and I hope you guys keep kicking ass. And that's it. I too share that sentiment. Uh so granted, uh couldn't show any of this because this is an audio podcast, so uh please feel free to follow along if you didn't. Um, in the show notes, uh, go go and go and download it yourself. Uh, should probably mention where to get Haiku. Um, www.haiku-os.org. Um, very easy to download and install in in VirtualBox. You'll be up and going in seconds. It comes in a live CD variety if you just want to see the desktop, or uh, gives you the option to install it right there. Um, it runs on some hardware, so you could try it there too. And how to contact Forkbomb. Kind of important. We've been negligent about mentioning that in the past few episodes. Uh, if you would like to get in contact with us to give us any feedback or input, did you like the show? Did you not like the show? Uh, do you have any corrections for us or requests for things for us to talk about? We can be contacted in a variety of fashions. Um, if you look up uh, Forkbomb podcast on Facebook, um, we can be found there. I believe it's Oh, hell, I forgot the URL already. I am the worst at this, but I'm going to stick to my gun. You can just type Facebook. I'm not going to edit this out. Bomb. So uh, I'm going to get the URL right now. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yes, we are at facebook.com forward slash forkbombpodcast. We can also be contacted uh, via on, on Twitter at forkbombpodcast. Yep. That's correct. And you can email us, uh, forkbombpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also find us on iTunes and wherever else you get your podcast from. So that's it. That's how to contact us. That's our show. Thanks as always, Euro. Thank you, Chris. Goodbye. Good night. <laughs>